Masechet Pesachim has been dedicated by Mr. Ike J. Shechebar in honor of his grandparents, Mr. Ike and Jeanette Bibi. We bless Mr. Ike Shechebar, who's been a sponsor of the Dafyomi for many uh, days. They should continue to enjoy success, health, and happiness. May his grandparents also enjoy much nachat from him as well as all their grandchildren and may they only share in semachot for the entire family. Amen. Daf Kufyot Gimal. Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Semach Beda in memory of his father Yosef ben Miriam. Amen. Today's daf is being studied and Abraham ben Esther. We begin on Kufyud Gimal uh, on the second line. And the Gemara says, Amar le Rav le Rav Ase. Rav told Rav Ase, Lot adur be mata de lot sanif basusia. Do not live in a city where a horse does not neigh. You have to have horses in the city to live there, and it also has to make its uh, sound. Why? So the Rashbam says on the second line, Kilomat she'en basus. It's the protection of the city To chase thieves and catch them When the thieves know that there's horses in the city They go to a different city To uh, pillage and rob Because if you have the horses Able to catch the thieves When they jump on the horse and they uh, They chase them So therefore he's saying for protection wise Don't live in a city that doesn't have horses the Ben Ishchai says that not only horses, but horses that neigh. Because if the horses make noise, the thieves will know when they get close to the city that there's horses in the city. So that's a sign. So therefore they'll move on to the next city. The next dean is, or the next advice was, kalba, And don't live in a city where a dog does not bark. Again, this is the same thing. The dog also serves as a protection to the city because he chases the ganav. Don't live in a city whose mayor is a doctor. Now, what would the logic be? So, uh, the Mefarshim explained as follows, that the doctor is preoccupied in his profession as being a doctor. So therefore he's going to neglect the needs of the city. Uh, furthermore, the Ben Ishchai explains that uh, a doctor is involved in his health. And therefore he doesn't go out on cold days, he doesn't go out on hot days, uh, he has to be home to eat his meals on time, and therefore he's not going to be devoted to the problems of the city. Because he's going to be too concerned about his personal health. And therefore, he's not going to be uh, up late at night taking care of crises because he has to sleep his eight hours, etc. So therefore, don't take a, uh, a doctor as the mayor of the city because the town is going to be neglected. Other Mephashim explain 
that this word asya is not referring to a doctor, but it's referring to ase. Al tadur mata ase. Don't um, live in a city where its mayor is like your name, ase. This was uh, Rav was telling uh, Rav ase. He was saying, don't live in a city where the mayor is a rabbi. Like we learned on yesterday's daf, because since the rabbi is preoccupied in his learning, so they're going to neglect the uh, the needs of the city, and therefore don't live in such a place. Then he says to him, Don't marry two wives. Rashbam uh, explains, So they don't conspire against you. Now, if you ended up marrying two wives, marry a third. Because even if two are going to conspire against you, the third one will let you know about their conspiracy. Comes Gibran continues. Amar le Rav le Rav Kahana. Rav gave some instructions to Rav Kahana. Hafoch benevilta velotipuch bemile. Better to uh, turn over an animal carcass than to turn over your words. He's trying to say, once you say something, you can't go back on your word. Yes is yes, no is no. And he's giving him like a metaphor. Better to manipulate the carcass of an animal, which is uh, will bring tomato to a person even, than to defile your tongue. Which means a person has to be careful to uh, keep his words and have integrity in all his dealings. So again, uh, even though dealing with a dead carcass might bring tumat to a person, better to defile a person's body than to risk defiling a person's word. In order to earn a livelihood, skin a carcass in the marketplace and take payment for your labor. And don't say Kahana Ana. And don't say Amrav Kahana. Or Gabrara Ba'ana. Or I am a Hashuv, or great person. And these things are unbecoming to me. Which means a person has to do anything to make a living. And he shouldn't, uh, you know, hold his stature in the way of making a living. Now, in this case, he said, even if you have to do something so menial, like skinning a uh, an animal, a carcass in the marketplace. But don't say kahana'ana. Now kahana over here does not mean, don't say I'm a kohen. Because Rav Kahana was not a kohen. Rav Kahana, his name was kahana, but it was not a kohen. So the Gemara Tosfor explains it means, don't say I am kahana, meaning I am Rav Kahana, and therefore this is uh, unbecoming to me. Yeah, you have to do anything, bottom line, to make a living. Literally, if you go to the roof, your meal should be with you. Meaning, even if you're traveling a short distance on a trip, make sure you always bring food with you. Because uh, you never know what can happen. Even if, let's say, food is so cheap that they're selling me'akare, a hundred gourd, for a zoos, which is very cheap, your food shall still be under your 
corners of your clothing. So the simple explanation over here is that uh, even though food is cheap, and therefore you'll say, ah, don't worry, I'll get the food somewhere else. No. Still, whenever you travel, take food with you and keep it under your cloak. Others uh, explain that the uh, Aruch, that if you find a good buy, for example, you're getting something cheap, like uh, you buy a hundred gourd for one zoos, that's a good deal. So he says that you should purchase it immediately, but keep it under your cloak so people don't give you the Ayinara, because you bought something so cheap. Now the Gemara says, Amar Rav Rav told the son, She's really telling his son, do not take drugs. Sama is a drug. Uh, and the reason he was telling him this is, so he doesn't become addicted to the drugs. The Rashbam says, So one, two, three, four, five. Lines. Don't take these type of drugs. Mishum because it leads to an addiction. And then your heart is going to desire it. And now you're going to end up losing money because because it costs money. And even if you're taking the drugs for medicinal reasons, which means if you could take a a different type of uh, refu'ah that doesn't need medicines, don't become beholden to uh, medicines. Because even medicines uh, can become addictive. And therefore it doesn't lo tishteh sama. Ve lo tishvar nigra. Literally, do not leap over a brook. Uh, the issue over here is, that's a pisi'agasa. You're not supposed to take big strides as we learned several times in the Gemara, taking big, big strides can affect the person's eyesight. So therefore, uh, he was telling him not to do that. The next thing he told him, Velo ta'akor kaka. Do not extract a tooth. Meaning if a tooth becomes infected, leave it, it'll go away. In the olden days, it was very, very painful to extract a tooth. And therefore he's saying the pain of extracting the tooth is not worth the, uh, uh, the um, effort to do it. And therefore, uh, just wait until the uh, toothache goes away. Do not provoke a snake. Because the snake will uh, attack you. For example, the snake is in the wall, in the hole, and you come and you box it in order to get it. So be careful. You're instigating with a snake, it'll come out and... Hasbun Shalom damage you. Velo And do not provoke a goy, because also the goy is capable of killing you. There are three different types of people where you don't provoke them. Who are they? Ve'eluhin. Nochri katan, nahash katan, v'talmid katan. A... Young Gentile, a young snake, and a young student. My ta'ama, what's the reason why you don't provoke these young people, or young things? Because their sovereignty stands behind their ears. Which means now they're young. But eventually they're going to become old. And when they become old, they're going to have 
sovereignty. The goy, when he's young, he can't take revenge against you. But if you provoke him when he's young, when he becomes older, now he has power, he's going to take revenge against you. And he holds his grudge. The snake as well. The snake, uh, when he's young, he might not be able to take the revenge. But he remembers, when he gets older, he's going to attack that person. As well as a young student. The young student cannot uh, embarrass his rabbis. However, when he gets old, now, in the whether it's in the shiur, the young student now becomes old, he's going to be strong against his rabbi in learning and embarrass him. Not only that, sometimes the student becomes so great in learning, he becomes the teacher of the rabbi. And therefore, he's going to embarrass the student or embarrass his former rabbi in learning. So therefore, don't provoke these uh, things. Comes the Gemara and continues. Amar le Rav le Aibu bere. Rav once told his son Aibu, "Tarhibach b'shmata." I am trying to teach you halachot, uh, subjects of halakha. Velo mistayah milta, but I'm not having success. Seems Aibu wasn't able to concentrate on that day. I'm trying to give you over a halakhot, but I see I'm not successful. So, let me come and teach you some of the ways of the world. Which means, let me give you some advice, at least, in business. So this was the advice that Rav gave his son in regard to business. When the sand is still on your feet, sell your merchandise. Which means when you buy merchandise and you come back from your trip and your feet are still uh, uh, sandy from the road, right away turn over the goods. Sell the goods, don't hold on to the goods so you can go back and buy more goods and make more properties. Don't hold on to your merchandise. The immediately that you buy it, send it out, sell it. The next thing he said was, call Anything that you sell, you could have regrets after you sell it. If you were able to get a bigger price. For example, you sold something for 100 And then all of a sudden, you find out that you could have sold it for 150 He says, you have a right to regret that. You feel bad. However, bar Except when you sell wine, no matter what price you sell it for, don't have regrets. Why? Because even if the price goes up after you sold it, who says that your wine would have remained wine? It might have turned into vinegar by then. Therefore, you wouldn't be able to make anything. So therefore, don't, don't feel bad if the price of wine goes up after you sell it. First, open your purse. Then open your sack. Which means, take the money first and then give the merchandise. Which means... Don't give the merchandise and now you have to go chase the guy to get the money. Before you open your sack to give the goods, take the money first, so now you know you got paid, then already give the merchandise. Literally mean, better a cow from the ground than a core from the roof. A core is 180 times the size of a calf. So he's saying, better to make smaller profit but you're on the land, meaning you're close to town, than making more profit, but you have to travel. Staying local 
is better than having to uh, travel, even though if you're giving up some uh, profit, because the traveling takes its toll on the uh, on the person both physically and spiritually. Tamna bahaluzach. If you have dates in your basket, lebet sudna rahit. Run to the brewery and make beer. Which means, in those days, people that would brew beer make a lot of money. It's a good business. But you need to have dates to make the beer. So he's telling you, when you have dates in your basket, right away, go and make beer. If you're going to hold on to the dates, what's going to end up happening? You're going to end up eating them. And if you end up eating them, you lose your uh, you lose your material. So therefore, the second you collect some dates, right away, go make some beer. So the Gebra says, V'ad kama. You know, how many dates does this instruction pertain to? Even as little as three se'ah. Which means, you know, this would be a, uh, a small amount. Let's say, you know, uh, uh, let's say one and a, 1.2 bushels. That would be the maximum. Which is even that small amount, by the way, go brew some beer in order to make the money. Amar papa. The Papa now discusses the uh, advantages of beer brewing. Amara Papa, If I didn't brew beer, lo I would not have become rich. Some say, Then had I not brewed beer, lo I would not become rich. My Sudna, one is the uh, Papa and one is of Hazda. My Sudana. Why do they call a uh, brewer of beer a Sudna? Amar of Hazda. Sodna'e ukmilut hasadim. Sodna'e means it's a good secret that affords a person to do a lot of gimilut hasadim. Which means there's a lot of profits. And therefore, Sudna. Sodna'e. It's a good secret that what? That the person can make a lot of money with it. And once he makes a lot of money, it can lead to doing gimmicks to hasadim with uh, people able to do acts of kindness. Okay. So the Benish High explains that this was not any uh, brewing. It says that Papa had a specific method in brewing beer. Uh, because normally people wouldn't drink date beer because it wasn't healthy. They would drink wine instead. But his date beer, he made it in such a way where uh, you know the people would drink it. So therefore there was a certain secret recipe, so to speak. So therefore they would call the uh, beer, the brewer, Sodna. Sodna eh. And you have to have a certain tradition, uh, you know, recipe handed down to you in order to make the beer that's going to sell out every beer, makes its uh, brewer rich. But if you have the right uh, recipe, the secret recipe, then already uh, one can be uh, successful. And then the Benish Hai says, and that was the Gibrut Hasadim of it. Because when people would drink uh, these rabbis' beers, it would give them health. It was a health benefit. Because you know, they took out the, uh, the problems of that uh, unhealthy uh, beer. So therefore, it was uh, like a health uh, issue. So therefore, give me with Hasadim. Not only in the monies that they make, but in the uh, drink that they provide. Amara Papa. 
more business advice. Kol agav kol agav Every bill requires uh, collecting, which means anytime you have to write a document down, a star to you know document the uh, issue, so you have to know already you're going to have to uh, collect it, and it's not so simple. They're always uh, preferring to pay on the spot. No, that once you give a guy a bill, that it's not over. Don't think that the guy's going to come forward and just pay it. Every bill requires uh, eventual uh, collecting. Call ashrai any time you give a sale on credit. Safek ate, safek lo ate. You have to know already. Maybe he's going to pay. Maybe he's not going to pay. Which is once you let the customer get out of the store without paying. So now already it's a uh, it's a question if he's going to pay or not. And even when they pay, it's bad money. Why is it bad money? Because they pay off a little at a time. They don't pay off in one shot. So therefore you gave credit that you can't get your money back in one shot. So it's a bad, uh, it's a bad transaction. He brings over here from the, uh, from the reef. It's an interesting question. If there's, let's say, partners in the business and... One of the partners gives credit to a customer without asking his partner, so that partner is responsible for the money. Because the other partner maybe would not have wanted to give credit, because credit is not good. So therefore you have to ask your partners before you give credit to a customer. Because the other partner can say, hey, you ruined me now. Now we're not going to get paid. Even if we get paid, we're not going to get paid on time. You're responsible to pay for the money. Rabbi Hanan said three things from the great men of Yerushalayim. Number one, When you go out to war, don't be on the front lines. You go out last. Why? But just in case the army has to run away, so you'll be the first one back, because you're at the end of the uh, end of the end of the line there. So you get you'll be the first one back into the city. So it's a safety uh, safety issue. Better to make a Shabbat like a weekday regarding the foods that you eat, and don't become dependent on people like we learned yesterday from the Biakiba. Engage in business with somebody that's enjoying good fortune. Like we learned, somebody that is mazal is good, so therefore deal with them, because their money has been acha, and therefore uh, the mazal is contagious. So therefore when you get involved with them, you'll also have good fortune. Three things were said by the Biyosh Rabbi Nevi in the names of the great Ben Avi Ruchalayim. Al tarbeh beganot mishum ma'aseh shehaya. Which means don't do private things of yours in public, meaning in the gardens, in the public area. Because of a famous story that happened. What's the famous story? David and Bathsheba. If you remember, how did David see and have a desire towards Bathsheba? Because she was bathing on the roof. And she was doing private uh, activity in a more public 
area. And therefore that led to the whole episode. So therefore they're telling you your private uh, issues you should not really do in an area where people can see you. If your daughter reaches maturity age, which usually is like uh, 12 and a half, free your slave and let the slave marry her. Which means what they're trying to say is, get your daughters married young. Even if it means that you have to free your slave, and she marries the slave, she's better off having that companionship than to remain single. Because, the girl, uh, if she doesn't get married, she can become uh, promiscuous. She can be, get into trouble with different uh, men. So therefore they're saying, marry your daughter off, even to the slave, uh, instead of keeping her uh, single. Be vigilant with your wife regarding the first son-in-law. Because the Gemara says that the mother-in-law is has a certain uh, bond or affection to the first son-in-law. To all the sons-in-law, but specifically the first one. So therefore the father wants to warn his wife. Be careful uh, because he doesn't want any impropriety to take place between the mother-in-law and the son-in-law. So the Gemara says, "My Tama, what's the concern over here?" Rav Chazda Amar Mishum Erva. Yeah, and Rav Chazda says because of Hasve uh, Shalom immorality. Rav Kana Amar Mishum Mamon. Rav Kana says no. The issue is that the mother-in-law is going to spend all the father-in-law's money on the first son-in-law. And therefore, you have to be vigilant regarding your wife that she doesn't spend all your money on the son-in-law. Comes the Gemara says, Both reasons are valid. And therefore the Gemara says, It's not proper for a son-in-law to live in the same house as his father-in-law. Because Hasbis Shalom, it could lead... They're being in proximity to the mother-in-law. It can lead to these uh, problems. Now, so the first son-in-law is the bigger problem, but the Mefashim explained it's referring to all of them. It's the first one has the uh, the bigger uh, t- challenge, the bigger test, let's say. Comes the Gemara and says, "Amar Rabbi Yohanan." Rabbi Yohanan says, "Shenosha menochale ha'olam abba." There are three people that inherit Olam Abba. Ve'eluhin. Hadar ve'eris Yisrael. Number one, somebody who lives in Eris Yisrael gains Olam Abba. Ve'amigadil banaf le'talmud Torah. One who raises his children to study Torah. Ve'amavdil alayayin b'motzei Shabbatot. One who makes avdalah on wine on motzei Shabbat. Which means, even though he doesn't have too much wine, he conserves he saves his wine, he economizes over Shabbat, in order to have some wine on Motsay Shabbat. I saw a uh, statement <coughs> over here from, uh, I guess it's Pirkid Rabbi on the value of making Havdalah on Motsay Shabbat. He says, Rabbi Tzadok Omer, I'm reading from the Pirkid Rabbi Kol mi she'eno mavdil alayayin b'Motsay Shabbat. Or he doesn't hear of the Allah from others. Does not see Berakha. Kadosh Baruch Hu Kor'o Kadosh. 
God says this man is holy. So therefore you see over how important it is to make Havdalah. Uh, many people make the Havdalah in the synagogue. When they go home, they don't make the Havdalah for their wives and for their children. And here they're telling you the biggest Sigulah for Siman Beracha is to make the Havdalah specifically on the wine. Times the Gemara continues. Ma'i, uh, so what does it mean that he makes Havdalah on the wine? So as we explained, He leaves over some wine from his Kiddush. He doesn't drink all the wine during the meal. He saves it over for the Havdalah. Like we said, we're talking about somebody that has a, a small amount of wine. Comes the Gemara continues. Amar of Yohanan. There are three people that are so pious that God actually announces their names every day in the heavens. So to speak, you know, God uh, broadcasts that these tzaddikim are living in the town. Who are these three tzaddikim? Al-Ravak Hadar Bichrach a bachelor that's living in a city that does not sin, meaning he does not get involved with Hazrat Shalom's uh, desires, which is he remains pure. So that's a great test for a bachelor living in a city. So therefore, they announce every day on such a person, this man over here is a tzaddik, that even though he's living in the seat of sin, because in the metropolis, that's where the sins are done. However, he is remaining pure, so that person deserves the uh, accolade of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Number two, When a poor man returns a lost object to its owner. It's a big test. The poor man finds uh, something, he needs it, wants to keep it. But when he overcomes his Yetzirah and returns it, that's worthy of an announcement in heaven. And a rich man who gives his ma'asir in private. Uh, which means he, when a rich man is not uh, boasting or he's not doing things you know, in public to gain kavod, uh, so also that's, uh, that's his urge. He doesn't seek honor, so that's already the test of the rich man, so therefore Bori Olam announces him. Rav Safra, Ravak Hadar Bechrachava. Rav Safra was a bachelor who lived in a city. Tane Tana Kameh Rabbah Rav Safra. So, they taught this Braita in front of Rabban Rav Safra. And the Braita said, that a bachelor lives in the city that remains pure, they announce him in the heavens. It's a big kavot for him. So what happened? Kebunah says, Sa'abu panav de Rav Safra. So Rav Safra's face lit up. It's the beauty. He says, they're talking about me. I live, I'm a bachelor living in the city. It's good news. I'm not announcing my name in the heavens every day. So Kebunah says, Amal or Rav Ha. Rav Ha said, relax. Lav kegor, lav kegon mor. It's not talking about somebody like you. Ela kegon, Rav Hanina ve Rav Oshaya. It's talking about like those two rabbis. Why? Davu ushkape barad Yisrael. They were cobblers. Shua makers in Eretz Yisrael, and they would sit. Their, their store, I guess, was in the marketplace of Zonot. 
zonot. And they made shoes specifically for the zonot. And the zonot would enter their shops. The zonot would look at the rabbis. However, they would not raise their eyes even to look at the uh, zonot. Which means, he was trying to say, that doesn't mean just somebody that lives in the city, but somebody that comes into contact on a daily basis with temptation. That, that, that's what it means over here. So he's saying, these rabbis over here, on a daily basis, they were uh, tempted. Whereas Rav Safra, he was ben sitting Midrash. in the Bet Midrash all day and all night. So therefore, the temptation there is not so great. So that's the type of bachelor that they announce upon. The Zonot had such respect for these Hachamim that were so Tahor uh, and they were so modest in their ways. So whenever the Zonot would want to swear or make an oath, they would say, I swear by the lives of the holy rabbis of Eris Israel. And look at the Kedush Hashem that they made, these rabbis. She said, even the Zonot understood the greatness of these rabbis. When they would want to swear, they would swear on the holy rabbis of Eris Israel. <coughs> Comes again when I continues. There are three people that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves. Somebody that does not get angry, controls his anger, his temper. And somebody that does not get drunk. And somebody that does not insist on his, uh, literally, his measure. Meaning he doesn't hold a grudge. Somebody does something to him, and he's able to uh, forgive him. So Bore Olam loves all these three people. Shiloshah Kadosh Baruch Hu Sun'an. There are three people that Bore Olam despises. Hamdaber Echad Papeh Ve'echad Valev. Person is two-faced. Which means he says in his mouth something, but in his heart he believes something else. For example, he goes to somebody and acts like he's his friend and all that. Meanwhile, in his heart, he's uh, plotting against them. But Elam hates that. Which means, the person, he's just straight. He's Yashar. But Elam likes that. But not to be a person to be a, a hypocrite by mouth and by heart. Now, if a person has testimony uh, affecting his friend, and he doesn't testify on his behalf, means the friend needs him as a witness. But he doesn't want to help him in court, so that already, but Elam uh, despises him. Well, let's say you see your friend commit a certain transgression regarding arayot, immorality. So you go to the betin and you testify as one witness. But Elam hates that guy, as we'll see, because one witness is not accepted in betin. So all it is is lashon hara. So you're just going now and uh, you know besmirching the guys. And if you have two witnesses, uh, two witnesses accepted in betin. But one witness is nothing. So therefore, a guy that knows he's only one witness and goes to the betin anyway. So that already Bore Olam uh, despises. The Gemara will explain. Kihad the Tuvia Hata, like the famous story of Tuvia, it's a fellow that made a sin. Ve'ata zigud lehude. So this fellow called Zigud went alone, 
ve'asid be'kameh rapapa. And he testified against Tuvia in front of Rapapa. Nagdel Zigud. So Rapapa gave lashes to Zigud, the witness. Amar so Zigud says, Tuvia hatav Zigud min gad? Tuvia made the sin. And Zigud gets the lashes? She doesn't make sense over here. I'm the good guy. Why am I getting the lashes? So he says, Amar In, yes. Tekhtiv. That a single witness should not stand up to testify against the man. Because we can't rely on such testimony. And you have testified alone against him. And therefore your testimony is unacceptable. Which means you have just, uh, by your statement, you just slandered him. You just have given him a bad name. So therefore, this is your, you're a gossip mongerer. This is uh, just spreading rumors over here. So therefore, you're guilty. Comes the Gemara and says, "Amar Bishmuel bar Rav Yitzchak bar Rav mutar lisnooto." That if a single person sees his friend or somebody doing an immoral act, even though he might not be able to take it to the betin, however, personally, he is allowed to uh, hate that person because he knows that he did the act. Now, how does that manifest they can hate him? So the Gemara says, Shine'emar. Ki tere'e hamor sona'acha rovetz tachat masao. person, let's say, sees uh, the donkey of uh, a person that he hates. And it's literally crouching under its burden. Alright? It has uh, a load uh, on it. So the Gemara wants to know, what do you mean, somebody that you hate? Usually in uh, Judaism, we're not to hate anybody. After you see the hamor of your enemy. So the Gemara says, "My sone." What does it mean uh, you hate the guy? Maybe we're talking about a goy, and therefore talking about a goy who you will hate. Gemara says, sone Israel." Now, when it says sone in the Torah, it's definitely referring to a sone that is a Jew. And not a Gentile. Is a person is it permissible to hate a Jew? Right? And not to hate your uh, your fellow Jew. You know what the case is? Must be talking about where there's two witnesses that saw the guy transgress in Isur. And therefore. Uh, since he transgressed, so he's not a hikha anymore. He's not your brother because he transgressed in Avera. So the Gibran says, if that's the case, then the whole, the whole world could hate him. Which means here it's saying, as if he's only your personal enemy. If we have witnesses that already committed him to a sin, that already is the enemy of all Israel, why would it say, Hamor So the Gibran says, why is this guy different than uh, anybody else? So Kamsugavaran says, Must be talking about this case, the Hazia be Iu Devar Irva. Where must be the fellow himself saw this guy commit a certain immoral act. Now, again, he can't take him to Betin because there's only one witness, that would be Lashonara, Motsi Shemra. However, he knows he did it. So therefore, personally, he can hate this guy. Because he knows he did the sin.
So comes Gemara and says, Rav Nachman bar Yitzhak Amar, mitzvah l'snoto. Not only you're allowed to hate him, but it's a mitzvah to hate this guy. Shere Amar, Yirat Hashem, Senot Ra. Which means, people that have fear of Hashem, they hate bad. They hate evil. So comes the Gemara and says, Amar, Oh, we could actually do the uh, Tosafot. Let's do the top Tosafot. This is one of the famous uh, Tosafot over here. V'im Tomar. The Be'edo Metziot, the Nabi Metziot says, If let's say you have your friend, and you need to uh, be porek, which means you need to unload his animal. You say your friend, his animal is laden. You need to be porek. leton. And you have somebody that you hate, and his animal needs to be loaded. Now, generally speaking, it's always a bigger mitzvah to unload. Because not only are you helping the person, but you're also helping the animal. However, in this case over here, it says mitzvah besoneh. It's a mitzvah to help the one that you hate to load the animal. Why? Why did you take preference? Kedel lachufet yisro. In order to break his yitzharara. Because not you hate the guy. So the Torah wants to break that hatred, so to speak. What are you talking about? We're learning over here that the hatred over here is valid hatred. You're hating the guy because you saw he has davar harva. He committed a sin. So what is the Gibbara saying? Help the enemy first, or the one yet why? Because it will overcome your yitzharara. No yitzharara over here. You're hating the guy legally. So Tosfot says a tremendous uh, principle in the psychology of people. Once already you hate that guy, it's reflective, which means like a mirror. He hates you back. Just like water reflects the image of a person's face, so too... Attitudes are also reflective, which means if you hate somebody, that hatred is reflected back. Now, as a result of him hating me back, I hate him not because he committed a sin. I hate him because he hates me. That's not already valid anymore. That already is an extra measure of hatred. Now it's personal. It starts off the same shabbat. The guy is a sinner. I hate the guy. Oh, you hate me? I hate you back. Oh, you hate me? Now I hate you in extra measure for the fact that you hate me back. Now that, that, that's not valid. That. You're only allowed to hate the guy because he did the Avon. Not because it's a Nyan of Kavod. So that's what they're saying. You have to go with the Soneh first, help him first, to break that extra measure of Sin'ah that might not be valid or legal. Comes the Gemara and says, Amar which means, are you allowed to tell the teacher about the student that committed an immoral act in order that the uh, teacher will hate him? Could you, could you tattle on the student to the teacher? His rabbi, actually. Comes the Gemara and says, Amar le. Which means, if he knows that his rabbi trusts him, 
Meaning, if the rabbi trusts the student as if it's testimony of two witnesses, which means there's no doubt that the rabbi is going to trust him, then already has the right to tell him. And then the teacher you know, may accept the report and hate the guy. The law, but if not, he should not tell him. Which means if the teacher knows him well as a person who never lies, then you can say. However, the teacher, he knows that the, you know, the guy is a, a pious guy, but you know, he doesn't know his integrity level, so therefore, he should not uh, tell him over the information. Okay. You want to continue? Stana Rabbanan. There are three people that their lives are not worth living. Those are overly compassionate, those are easily angered, and those who are highly delicate. Uh, which means uh, these people can never enjoy life. Someone that's overly compassionate is always worried and always uh, sad and always, you know, uh, you know, uh, preoccupied with somebody's problems. Somebody that is always angry. It's obvious why his life is not a life. He's never happy. And uh, people that are uh, highly delicate, so they can never, uh, they can never enjoy, they can never enjoy life because they're easily disgusted by every single thing. Uh, like yeah, exactly it means they. They cannot uh, live uh, normally. Yosef, He said, all these characteristics I had. There are three groups that the members of each group hate each other. Elohen, Hakelabim, the dogs, Hatanegolim, that's the roosters, they are Habarin. And the Habarin, uh, those are the uh, Persians. Those were the people that lived by Persia. The Yesh Omrim, and some say, Af Hazonot. So to the Zonot, they uh, hate each other. Like we learned in Shabbat, even though in public they treat each other with uh, camaraderie, however, uh, they themselves have tremendous amount of um, competition. Uh, amongst them. And some say even the scholars in Babel. Now, this we have to explain. The scholars in Babel is not a simple sin'ah. That's uh, at the time of the learning. There's a tremendous amount of uh, heat between them. That's called the Nethad Oraita. That's the fire of the Torah. And therefore, it's not that they hate each other, but the Tamidah Achim and Babel have a tremendous hate of Sheker. And therefore, when Tamid uh, Achim uh, espouses a certain theory, if the other student feels that it's not true, so the other student of Tamidah will rise up against them because they have such a love of truth and hate of falsehood. And therefore, there's always rivalry between the Tamidah Achim. Comes Gebran says, Tan there are three groups that the members of each group love each other. That's the converts. Slaves. 
Ve'orvim. Orvim are literally the uh, the ravens. Comes Gemaran says. There are four people who behave in such a manner that people cannot tolerate them. They're intolerable. The mind cannot tolerate the following four people. People cannot understand them. They cannot comprehend their behavior. Number one, Elohim. A pauper that is haughty. Yeah, can't understand it. What, what does the guy have to be worried about? The guy is a pauper. He doesn't have anything, and he's uh, arrogant. Meaning, it defies defies logic. The Ashir Mikahesh, which means uh, a rich man that denies certain financial claims against him. If they come along and tell the rich guy, you know, you have to pay this uh, bill over here. Oh, that's not me. I didn't uh, pledge it, and so on. He's, what are you talking, guy? Such a rich guy. Just pay it. What is he? What is he making a whole? Uh, it defies logic. Meaning, why would they, uh, you know, uh, balk from their responsibilities if they have the money? Vizaken menaef, a an old man who commits uh, adultery, which means. It's not understandable. A young man, at least the mind can comprehend. But a zaken, who's usually past that stage of, uh, of Yetzirah, therefore defies logic. It's incomprehensible. Upanas That's a community leader who imposes himself on the community for no reason. Which means he enjoys the, uh, the power, the Rashbam says. And he doesn't do anything for the community, but which means when the community has problems, he runs. So therefore, say, what kind of leader is this over here? Just to enjoy the position, but not to serve and uh, do anything. So people cannot comprehend such uh, such leaders. And some say, that a person who divorces his wife a first time and then a second time and then uh, takes her back. People can understand, what is the guy doing? He divorces her, takes her back, divorces her, takes her back. What's, what's the logic over there? Now, Tanakama of this bride did not quote this fourth uh, uh, item. So the Gibra says, what about Tanakama? The Tanakama, Zimna Miruba, which means People can understand why a man would divorce his wife. Um, because, uh, which means, no, he holds that it's not always feasible for one to remain divorced. Because his ketubah is very expensive. So now he can't afford to pay the sum of the ketubah. When a person gets divorced, he has to make payments of the ketubah. So he says, uh, he understands. He thought that he'd be able to make the payments. But he realizes now that the ketubah is very, very, uh, uh, you know, very costly. So therefore, he takes her back. Or it's possible, let's say, they have children. Which means he cannot remain divorced. 
Meaning, they get divorced originally thinking that it's not going to be uh, an impact on the children. Once they get divorced, they realize that the children are uh, suffering. suffering. So therefore, people can understand why this can happen. So Tanakhama does not count this as a behavior that people cannot tolerate. Hamisha devarim siva kena'an et banav. Kena'an instructed his son... That's the son or the grandson of Noah. Noah's son was Ham. Uh, Ham's uh, descendant was Kena'an. So therefore, that's the Kena'anim. So the Kena'an gave a certain uh, instruction to his children. Number one, Ehavu ze'etzeh. Number one, you have to have love for one another. Ve'ehavu etagezel. You also have to love theft. Ve'havu etazima, you have to love the pravity, immorality. Ve'sinu etadonechem, you have to hate your masters. Ve'alt daberu emet, and don't talk the truth. Shisha devarim ne'emarim basus. Six things were said regarding horses. Number one, Ohevet Azinut. The horse loves lewdness. Ohevet Amelchama, he loves war. Veruhogasa, it's a hoary animal. Umoeset Ashena, it detests sleep. Like we learned that a horse uh, at a maximum sleeps 60 breaths at, at uh, one shot. Veruchel Harbe, it eats a lot. Umotsi Kim'a, and excretes only a little. It also attempts to kill its uh, master in the time of war because when it sees the um, uh, female horses in the war, it runs after the female horses and therefore it endangers the uh, the rider because that's riding right into the uh, enemy uh, area and enemy camp. Or because it stops in the middle of the road sometimes during the war to relieve itself. And now it jeopardizes the rider because he becomes vulnerable to the, uh, to the uh, dangers. Shiva minudim la shamayim. There are seven people who are considered excommunicated from shamayim. Eluhen, Yehudi she'en lo isha. A Jew that is not married, he does not have a wife, which means he chooses not to wed. Which means he wants to remain single by choice. So Bari Allah puts him in Banim. Person gets married, but he doesn't uh, choose to have children. Now again, not that he can't have children, Shalom. Talking about what he chooses not to. That's what Tosfot says. He's a poshaya. Furthermore, somebody that has children, but he does not provide for them a Torah education. He does not teach them Torah. Somebody that does not wear tefillin on his arm or on his head, this is seed. Which means he wears a four-cornered garment, but he does not put the sisiyot 
on the garment. Nor does he put a mezuzah on his doorway. Somebody that withholds from wearing shoes on his feet. That's very degrading to walk in the public barefoot. Which means, when there's a group that's involved in doing a mitzvah, and uh, like a seudat mitzvah exactly, and this person over here, he doesn't uh, join them to sit in the seudat mitzvah, so that's already considered a, um, a somebody that's menudeh. So if you look at the... Um, uh, a person that does not uh, join the Sauda, let's say, of the Brit Milah, or Bat Kohen the Kohen. Like we said, a proper marriage. Where Bat Kohen marries a Kohen, which the Gemaran said that is a proper marriage, he does not partake in that Sauda. So that already is considered Hazbe Shalom, a. Um, a problem that he does not join in the Saudan. Now, if you look at the Tosafot on Kufyu Dalid Amud Rishon, that Tosafot really belongs on uh, our daf. Ve'en mesev be'Saudat mitzvah, ha'inu Saudat mila. De'amar be'midrash de'nitzol medinah shel Gehinam. When a person goes to the Saudah v'brit mila, he is indeed saved from Gehinam. The Saudat nisuin be'tamir hacham u'bat kohen lekohen. Right? That's all when you're going to the Saudah, there's people that are befitting there. As opposed to going to sit in a place where there's immodesty, or there's people that are letzim, etc. So therefore, of course it's not uh, worthy. Like the Gemara says, The the people of Yerushalayim, the clean people, meticulous people of Yerushalayim, they would not sit down in the Saudah until they knew who was sitting with them at the table. They wouldn't sit down all of a sudden and put some lets or put some uh, immodest person. Now they're stuck. So they would only sit in places that are proper. But you see, this Gemara over here, that many times you hear people uh, say that if you're invited to a Brit Milah, for example, you have to go. The source of this uh, statement is this Gemara over here. But it's not per se the Brit Milah. The Inyan is the Saudah. It's like anybody that does not partake in the Saudat Mitzvah, so then already they're Minudim Lashamayim. And therefore, when they say you shouldn't invite to a Brit, they really mean you should not invite somebody to Saudat Brit Milah. Because by not by being invited to the Saudat Brit Milah, not partaking in the Saudat, then already it's considered uh, Minudim. However, if a person uh, just would tell somebody, come to the Brit Milah per se, which means just the, the ceremony, so therefore that would not be a, an issue. There's no uh, 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 nidui by not attending a Brit ceremony that you're invited to. But the Sauda itself, it is very uh, serious. <laughs>